Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Presented by Sam Sage, Harry Eid and me, Ben Hocking. Second race in the triple header coming up. I say race in quotation marks. It's basically the first race, isn't it? Um, after the Belgian Grand Prix of the weekend, we head to Zandvoort for the Dutch Grand Prix. Uh, I mean, threat of rain, Sam. Is, do you think this will be the first time ever that fans might do an anti-rain dance? I mean, F1 is cursed, folks. If you if you believe that you know a sport could be cursed, Formula One is it. You know, go check out our Twitter. We we tweeted out the weather report of the Zandvoort GP, and it is going to rain only during the period that the race is meant to end. So hopefully, visibility actually lasts. If not, Netherlands, if you're listening, please construct a large gazebo type structure over the entire track. So we can actually race this weekend, please. I would like some actual racing. Um, otherwise, I don't know what we're meant to do. I will protect the track from the rain personally if it has to happen. I think we need a, you know, in the Simpsons movie when they have the big dome. Oh, yes. I oh, think that's yes. uh, that's the solution there. We put just a big dome over the Zandvoort track. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd lightning can't strike twice, surely. Not, not again. Well, if you say it can't, it definitely will. Oh, no. <laughs> well, nice, nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> Before we head into the preview and the other topics we have to discuss, because there is quite a lot to get through this evening, um, just a quick one. We announced on our review podcast of the Belgian Grand Prix, um, our, our Patreon, we launched that one. I uh, already had quite a few people sign up, so we've got a couple of different tiers available just to um, 
uh, a few different perks, different benefits, depending on what, what tier you go for. We'll leave the link in the description again. So if you do want to check that out and see if you see if you think it's worth it, then that would be brilliant. Uh, and the first uh, race watch along, which we'll be doing on both tiers, we're going to do that one on the 19th of September. So as long as you're signed up before then, you'll be able to watch the 2012 Brazilian Grand Prix with us uh, and we will react along the way. Absolutely brilliant race if you haven't seen that one before. Uh, but firstly, we'll get into preview for Zandvoort. So uh, obviously the championship lead has been cut ever so slightly after half points were awarded at Belgium. Sam, do you think that Hamilton will be out for some form of revenge given that that championship lead has been whittled down somewhat? I mean, old Louis Ham, I love him dearly. He's a bit, he's a bit grumpy at the moment, isn't he? He, he doesn't seem like he's, he's in his happiest mode, I would say. You know, if you could turn your engine mode to happy, I think Lewis maybe would enjoy that. But he's on engine mode grumpy at the moment. And I think, yeah, if he can turn up at the home of Max Verstappen, you know, where the fans, the Orange Army are massively going to be in force and the support there will be wild. And I expect he's going to be booed regardless of what he does, whether he literally decides not to race, he'll still probably be booed. Um, yeah, he's going to want to create a bit of a storm. I think he's going to want to turn up. He loves winning when we go to new races. Of course, I think he's won at every single Grand Prix we've raced at at some point throughout history, which is pretty impressive. I say that since his career started. I don't mean like when we raced at like, I don't know, something in 1967, of course. Don't be silly, listeners. Um, but yeah, Lewis Hamilton is going to want to and, and put a marker down. He's going to carry on one league in this championship. He's lost ground to Max at the, we'll call it a race, it was a, a wet event that somehow got points given out to it, a farce is the correct word, um, and of course he's going to want to earn that back, he's going to want to create that gap back, and he's going to want to show that he's still up for this title fight, because there are questions being raised that maybe he's not as with it as people thought this season, so yeah, he'll want to beat Max on his home turf, just like Max wanted to beat Lewis at Silverstone, of course it's a given. It could be a very, very spicy race. Um, there's a lot of elements to this track that I'm excited about. I'm just hoping the cars can follow and we can actually see some moves and maybe we don't get another Monaco Hungary-esque race. Although actually Hungary was a banger. Anyway, oh, overtaking, please. Yeah, true, <laughs> it was. But overtakes, please. Do you think the weather from Spa was actually just a massive Zandvoort conspiracy because they're expecting a bad race? And going into this weekend... I think everyone would take a bad race as long as it was actually a race. So I'm going to put my uh, my tinfoil hat on here. I think it's all a conspiracy. It's Zandvoort that's done this. Maybe not. What do you reckon, Harry? Hamilton out for revenge? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. To, uh, you know, revenge after losing points in Spa. I mean, I, I feel like you can't feel too hard done by, by Spa. It's not like Max Beam on the... Tr I know he Beam on qualifying, which obviously was fair and square, but he didn't lose in a in a fair battle on the track, did he? It was nothing he could do. So I don't know whether he's, you know, put out by that at all. Um, but as Sam said, it would be a, a big hammer. And we, I think I've said before, I don't believe either Hamilton or, or Verstappen are big momentum drivers. They don't need momentum. They just turn up and drive fast wherever they go. But, you know, it would be a big hammer blow if... Hamilton could deliver a win in front of uh, in front of Max's home crowd, you know, because Verstappen couldn't manage to do it at Silverstone. So um, it would definitely, you know, I reckon it would start to get inside Max's head slightly um, if if Hamilton could do that. So yeah, uh, he knows he's still got a lot of races to go. It's not like a must win for the championship. He's still in the lead, um, even if it's by a few less points now. But um, yeah, you know, Hamilton will want to. He's still after that hundredth win. 
it feels like it's not going to happen. It might happen at some point, but it, every time he turns up to a race, it doesn't happen. Something's always getting in the way. So, um, yeah, uh, maybe this is the weekend. I feel like odds are he will probably get there. <laughs> he might get there. Could you imagine probably. if he didn't? What if he never won again? That would be a Forever at 99, just crying <laughs> in his gorgeous mansion. Yeah. Oh, I've already got the double digits. How does anyone cope with just double digits? <laughs> I'm sure it would make you happy, Harry, the Hamilton hater that you are, of course. Well, but... obviously. Yeah. I would. If you could take another eight off that as well and go out to 91. Be <laughs> the salt coming from, from Harry. The... A joke, guys. A joke. Yes. Big asterisks. Um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that that Hamilton will be out for revenge any more so than he than he would be on an average race weekend. I don't think it will affect his approach in any way. I, I think coming out of Belgium, and I raised this point on the review podcast, that I don't think Verstappen or Hamilton are actually going to come away from the weekend happy. Hamilton, it's fairly obvious because he lost out in terms of points to Max Verstappen without actually getting a chance to to do anything in the race itself. So he's he's fairly obviously not going to be best pleased by the result. But I don't necessarily think that Max Verstappen is, is going to be happy coming out of this race weekend either because Max Verstappen gained uh, a certain number of points on, on Lewis Hamilton, five exactly five points that he gained on him. But I, I don't see how... Because if, if Verstappen would have backed himself for the win, no doubt about that. And if Verstappen goes on to win, he ends up gaining seven points on Lewis Hamilton, uh, not five, which turn out to be the case. So going into every race weekend, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton will be confident that they can take the race victory. And the fact that neither were able to do so in full point conditions means they have, quote unquote, lost out. So I, I don't believe... I don't believe either is going to be delighted and I don't believe either is going to be massively searching for revenge here. And we have to remember with Lewis Hamilton, he's done so many races to this point that he's had plenty of spells of good luck and bad luck. He, he's very experienced to the point where he's seen it all before. Yes, he might have feel slightly unfortunate based on what happened at Belgium, but you could also argue, and I would definitely agree, that he got pretty lucky in the last two races before the summer break. So it swings and roundabouts. When, you, when you're in Formula 1 for as long as Lewis Hamilton has been, you will get your spells of good luck and bad luck. There's not much you can do about that. But looking at it from Max Verstappen's perspective, his first home Grand Prix, Sam, do you think that in a similar way to Hamilton at Silverstone, do you think that the home crowd will inspire Max Verstappen on by an extra couple of tenths? I mean, it seems to do the job, doesn't it? There's, there seems to have been some moments, and again, the, the British Grand Prix does seem to be a big one because obviously we go there every single year, and for, for the longest time, there's always been a British driver in the first the first few rows, not necessarily always fighting for a championship, but you know they're always in one of the top three or four cars, and regularly out of nowhere, it would seem, the, the British driver does tend to do rather well. You know, JB's always been relatively good around there. Hamilton's always been phenomenal around Silverstone, of course. And you can go back further and further, of course, to many other British drivers that have been successful. This is the first time in a long time we've been in Netherlands for a, a Grand Prix. And this is Max Verstappen's first official home Grand Prix. Of course, he's half Belgian, so he does half claim that Spa is one of his home Grand Prix. But, you know, it, this, is, this is where he sees himself. He marks himself as Dutch. Um, 
his fangs, you know, the super, super max fangs, uh, are all from the kind of the Dutch army. So I think that this definitely could be a big lift for him. I think if he can come away from this coming weekend, knowing that I've won at home, I've won at a track which suits the Red Bull, it would, it would look like, you know, maybe we'll see a different story come practice, but it looks like this track could suit the Red Bull. And now we go on to the likes of Monza, where um, theoretically the track doesn't suit our car, I can feel happy knowing that actually I've mitigated Spa somehow with the rain and the bizarre actions that happened. I've won at Zandvoort, and now all I've got to do is make sure I'm close enough in Monza when the Mercedes probably has the upper hand. So I think that, you know, if you can jump on that, use the home advantage, um, win the first time we're properly here, uh, I think he'll really take solace in that. I think he'll really enjoy that. And I think that could buoy him for the rest of the season. If he goes on to, to win the championship this year and he also marks it with a first home win, I think it'll be a really big fairy tale moment for Max Verstappen. I think he'll very much enjoy it. We know he loves those fans and we know that he has a lot of um, a lot of commitment to his home fans. So I think this is going to be a very big moment for him. I guess I don't think he is the kind of driver to get overwhelmed. But, you know, with anyone, there is a small chance that it could be an overwhelming moment. But I think he'll relish the chance. And I think he'll, I think he'll take it with both hands. What do you reckon, Harry? Do you think that that home crowd were expecting it to be massively Verstappen-led in the crowd this weekend? Do you think that's going to help him? Um, yeah, I don't see why not. It, you know, we've seen that Austria before. In, well, Austria this year. I know Red Bull probably had a much better car than Mercedes did around that track, but uh, Verstappen's won there in the past as well, and he has a huge contingent of fans that come to uh, come over from 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 the Netherlands there. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of people power, I reckon, but it can't substitute what he does on the track. But he's going to be, I don't think, as Sam said, I don't think he's the sort of person he'll be uh, overwhelmed by the home pressure or anything like that. I think it will definitely help him. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, it'll, you know, as much as Hamilton wants to stop power, uh, or, you know, deliver sort of a hammer blow uh, victory to in front of his home fans, Max will want to do the opposite and deliver a victory in front of the home fans and and you know try and show Hamilton up so um I think it's for sure going to give him some sort of boost whether it gives him extra time I don't know do you, unless you subscribe to the uh, Dr Nigel Mansell theory of uh, half a second but uh <laughs> cheers doc <laughs> cheers doc Dr Nigel Dr Nigel what a guy yeah, I mean, I I don't actually think this will massively benefit him or hurt him. I don't I don't think it will go one way or the other because I I guess there is the potential that it could work to to a negative side if if the pressure overwhelms an individual. I don't for a second think that would happen with Max Verstappen and based on some of the European races that we've already seen where it's not even necessarily a home Grand Prix but it it is pretty much in everything but name the likes of Austria and and Hungary. Um I, he hasn't been overwhelmed at those circuits, so I don't believe that would happen here either. But I don't think it will really affect him too much the other way either, just based on who Max Verstappen is. And it almost goes back to the point of, of what you said, Harry, very early on, that, that Verstappen is not really a, a momentum driver. He He has one gear, for better and arguably for worse sometimes as well. He has one mode, and that mode is fast. And... And he will go to that regardless of any situation that he's in. And he is a brilliant driver as a result of that. And I just don't think that changes regardless of whether... 
a whole crowd is behind him, a whole crowd is against him. He has his philosophy, he has his attitude, and he, he stays true to it. He knows that's what's got him success in the past, and he knows that's what will get him success in the future as well. I don't think that changes, so I don't necessarily see a massive performance lift. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see what that crowd is like. We're, I think we're expecting three-quarters capacity at the circuit, um, and you can be pretty sure that of those 75%, about 100% of them are going to be rooting for Max. I, I, it would take a brave fan at Zanfort this weekend to be rooting for, for anyone who is not Max Verstappen. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a, going to be a lonely weekend if you're sat in the crowd with your, uh, <laughs> with your Lewis Hamilton cap on or your Antonio Giovinazzi cap on. It's going to be a, it's going to be a long weekend. I mean, we've already referred to the weather this weekend looking like it could potentially rain. We saw what George Russell was able to do in qualifying on the Saturday. Of course, it remains an unknown how he would have done on the Sunday, whether he would have held position, whether he would have fell back a bit, whether he would have massively fell, fallen back. We, we've got no idea. But Harry, do you think that he could produce something similar again if the conditions are somewhat similar? Yeah, I mean... I. I was going to say that you know Zanvoort may not suit the Williams as much, but we saw with uh, you know in the Spa, Russell was still mighty. It was mighty around the whole lap. Um, I think Hamilton probably gained under him the most uh, in that middle sector, where the Mercedes was pretty strong all weekend. To be fair, but um, yeah, it's a bit more. It's a bit more um, corporate in in in, uh, in Zanvoort. So I don't know. I, I, I you know that might not work to Williams' advantage as much, but. That's not to say that George Russell couldn't pull something out of the bag, because nevertheless, it doesn't matter if the car's not suited. The car was not suited to be on the front row. So, um, you know, those sort of conditions, it is more down to the driver. So, um, you know, it, 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 I don't, I don't, it sounds ridiculous because I don't want to write it off, but I don't, I don't see, I don't foresee, uh, you know, George Russell being on the front row. It doesn't look like we're in for a fully wet weekend. It might just be Sunday that's uh, a bit soggy, but um, yeah. If it is raining, then you know he he's proven he has the skills in the wet, so he would fancy his chances as some as some decent points again. I'm sure. It's crazy that we can even speculate that George you, Russell could be anywhere near the front row, but I I I spoke about this with with me old man, and he said, "Do you remember like two years ago when a Williams used to run up to a corner and then try and kill the driver, like it would just fall off the track? That was that was only a couple of years ago, and now." Now George Russell was on the podium at the weekend. Mad. Mad time. I know it's not, you know, it's not normally there, but it's, it's still a pretty remarkable turnaround. Very true. I mean, just for context, folks, um, Harry doesn't actually own an old man. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. Topics. It's actually just... It's, it's yeah, for bad. people that... That's uh, that's a very good point. It's quite maybe an English slang term. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's my dad. My old man. What what do you reckon, Sam? What do you think Russell could do if the conditions are, are something like we saw at Spa? Well, you know, you, you'd be wrong to say that Russell hasn't got inc incredible ability when it's wet weather running. You know, the guy, we saw it in Imola up until the moment we had with Bottas, of course. Now that was a bit of a rookie moment. That was a bit of a damp, uh, wet race. I had changeable conditions and he was running very well there. Of course, you look back to the likes of um, Spa only a week ago, where 
that young man was able to do something I haven't seen in a long time. There's not many qualifying laps that I think compared to Russell's in a car that is that Williams. Um, and it was absolutely spectacular. And, you know, I'd like to think that the man is capable of pulling out another fantastic performance again, especially if it is wet. Um, I think that the mitigating factor here for Russell and the Williams is that the rest of the garage are now going to be wise to these tactics. I think that they're going to have studied and looked and analysed at what Williams did, at what Russell did, and went, hang on a minute, how were you able to pull out three, four seconds more than what we were able to do? And in a normal day, our car is three, four seconds faster than yours on a perfect lap. That Mercedes, that Red Bull, that Ferrari, the Aston Martin, the McLaren, whatever you want it to be, is more than capable of delivering the lap times that George Russell delivered. And we know it, we've seen it, we've seen it in other tracks, in the wet or in the dry, they are capable of doing that. So there is something with the tyres, with the strategy, with the call that Williams made and the way that Russell did it, that worked for them so well. Um, and I think that there's a lot of intelligent, smart people, far smarter than I will ever be, that work in the world of Formula One, that will look at that and go, right, this is how he's done it. So if it comes around to another very wet qualifying, and they're going to start doing it again, we're doing that too. So I think that Russell will have a good session. I feel like Russell will have the ability to pull that car up still, regardless of what other drivers and other teams do. But I do not, unfortunately, feel like we're going to see a Williams sat in the front two rows again, unfortunately. Um, but I would, be, I would not be shocked if Russell comfortably gets through into Q2, if it is a wet Saturday. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if he's able to somehow drag that Williams maybe into a top 10. I just don't see him having the same reaching the same heights that he did only a few days ago, unfortunately. Because it would be lovely to see him racing at the front in a Williams, but I just can't see it happening. Um, I don't know why I'm booing. I'm basically just going to say the same thing as him. <laughs> boo! Yeah, boo me as well. Um, I, we have to say that the Belgian Grand Prix, the qualifying for that race, all stars aligned. Everything went well everything that could go well did go well so from george russell's perspective he did the business he he put together the perfect lap so he did what he needed to do um you know strategy wise as sam mentioned williams got it right even after going out on wet tires in the first instance in q3 so he got the lap right the team got it right lando norris of course didn't compete in q3 which definitely helped um, Perez didn't put a lap together Bottas didn't put a lap together so everything did come together there was also the element that it was a track in which they could do it on there are some tracks and I'm going to get onto this that, that I don't think it would be possible on ultimately George Russell made up nearly all of his time in the first sector he was about four attempts nearly half a second quicker than anyone else in that first sector uh, which ultimately means he was about seven tenths slower than Verstappen across the rest of the lap, which is perfectly excusable, by the way. That's what's to be expected in the Williams car. So given Zanvoort's track characteristics, I know we haven't raced there for a very long time, so it is a little bit of an unknown. But I think based on based on at least the naked eye test, what we expect the corners to be like, it's unlikely that even the best George Russell lap in the same conditions would get front row. However, I, I still think based on his form this year, and I don't want his season, and, and, I've, and I feel like it could be, I don't want his season to be highlighted exclusively by that Belgian Grand Prix qualifying because it's actually like his sixth good performance in a row. 
he, he has done such a good job leading up to that race that I hope all of the other good performances he's put together are remembered. And I think he, he, he will be in a position to do well again. But I, I can't see, even in the perfect circumstance, him getting a front row. He might well make it to Q3. Um, but even if he doesn't, it, it might be out of his control. What I do love about... Um... What I do love about Zangfor, and maybe George Russell is the best man for this, is it's my favourite kind of banking. Uh, the usual banking that you find is boring and financial, and I don't understand the majority of it, but banking in Zangvor is much more fun. Uh, and maybe George Russell will be the head accountant. Who knows? Good stuff. we got the banking to come at Abu Dhabi, Sorry. yeah? Hey. Oh, that I'm pumped for. I mean, they're famously good bankers. <laughs> we are moving on. We are moving on. Wasn't even a joke. Yeah. They're very rich. <laughs> <laughs> very wealthy individuals. Harry, Harry matter of fact deed. Thank you so much for that. Um, uh, ba- uh, every week I bank on it. We're gonna do. We're gonna do some bold predictions now, and hopefully, we actually get a race where bold predictions might actually happen. So. Harry, what have you got for us this week? Uh, my bold prediction is that, and I think this is some real optimism, optimism off the uh, off the back of what was, um, a, oh no, as Sam, Sam said, a wet event, which I think is actually a very good way to describe what Spa was, just a, a wet event. Um, my my optimistic uh, bold prediction is that it's going to be a belting race, and we're going to have. Three changes for the lead by three different cars on track. Oh, okay. On track? Belting race. So three wow. different cars will have Correct. the lead of the race, and every yeah. time. So you're saying there will be two overtakes? Um, on yeah. Track. Yeah. Two, two overtakes for. Wait. Because if the guy uh... leads away from pole. Them. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's say two or three. <laughs> All right, I, we'll, we'll let you have it. We, we want you to get one right. I didn't, so. I didn't think that far with the math. Um, I'm not a good banker, but uh, yeah, yeah, three, three different cars, and they'll all overtake each other to to get to the lead spot. Okay, understood. I I mean, again, we don't really know what's going to happen Come in terms on, of the track. You you would imagine based on what we know. Outside of turn one, there probably aren't going to be many obvious places to make overtakes. Um, but we'll see. It's going to happen everywhere, mate. You watch. I, I I am subscribed to that. Don't you worry. I am all over your idea of what this race is going to be. Sam, what's your bold prediction? Mine is nowhere near as fun. Nor will people want to... Well, actually, no. There are a lot of fans that will subscribe to this. But I don't think it's the mutual fans of F1, unfortunately. Um, my bold prediction is that Max Verstappen, and it kind of gives away a spoiler for later on, Max Verstappen will win the Grand Prix by 30 or more seconds. I mean, it, it's pretty bold. However, it does mean that if... Well, no, I, I, I'll stay true to it. It's very bold. I'm just thinking if the guy in second is far enough back that they try a fastest lap, but in that situation Verstappen would probably also try a fastest lap so it wouldn't really matter um it's pretty bold 30 seconds plus yeah it happened a lot recently has it yeah 
Um, my bold prediction is also about Max Verstappen, but it goes the complete opposite direction, which is not going to get me many fans in the Netherlands. Hello to you all. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that Max Verstappen will not be higher than third place at any point in the Grand Prix, and it won't be because of a crash. Wow, you think that the Red Bull or just Max are not going to be up to it? He's having a, he's having a stinker of a weekend. I think Merck yeah. I think Merck are going to turn up like it's 2014. Wow. Okay. Cool. That's bold, Ben. I think that's that's a triple bold. Triple bold. What we will be in five years. <laughs> hey, hang on, hang on. That's if we're lucky. Oh, yeah. not, not sure about that. Yeah, give it three. Um, yeah, some pretty. Pretty interesting bold predictions there. Always happy to listen to to your bold predictions as well. Let us know at Lbreaking on Twitter and our free Discord channel as well. We've got plenty of people in there. About, about 115 of you talking F1 in our Discord server, which is remarkable. Get your bold predictions in there. There's something wrong with each and every one of you that you actually want to be in there. Uh, and if you're listening to this thinking, I'm not in there, but I want to be, there's something wrong with you too. The link's in the description. We welcome you with open eyes. There's so, something wrong with you. Come on in. Sam. Sam hates people. <laughs> Look, you've got to be a certain kind of person to enjoy listening to us three idiots. Fair enough. Hole one, two, three. Sam, I mean, you've kind of already given away first place, but interested to know the rest of your lineup. Well, that's kind of you, Ben. Uh, Paul will be Verstappen. The wing will be Verstappen plus 30 seconds. That's the second place. Uh, second place, I think, will go down to uh, Lewis Hamilton. And I think third will be Sergio Perez. No more botties, please. Oh. Sam's never going to put Bottas in his top three prediction ever again. I mean, this year at least. Next year might not be uh, feasible anyway, but um, good Lord. To be honest, he's not doing he's not doing much of a job to disprove him at the moment. <laughs> I mean, me and Bottas are like a working team. Every week, I won't wing Bottas. Okay, I won't wing. Cheers, Valtteri. I mean, he couldn't do much about not winning. I know he didn't help himself in qualifying, but he couldn't do much about not winning on Sunday. Surely, anything could have happened. On <laughs> he was not. He's not, he's he not doing enough to Sunday for it. <laughs> Like for qualifying. God damn it, Bottas. Why did you not overtake under the safety car? <laughs> Do you want this seat, Bottas? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. He made up a position in the race. He was he True. was he was one place higher at the end of the race than when he started. So, and he uh, finished in front of Perez. Impressive ability. He, he did very well. <laughs> I, I, hold one, two, three from you, Harry. Considering we've got a number of lead changes. Who's going to end up in the lead? Uh, so Hamilton's on pole. Verstappen wins. Bottas is second. And then Hamilton's third. Up the botties. Come on. <laughs> they can't say that on a podcast. <laughs> That's inappropriate. Sam, may I remind you that you said sausage is out for Gasly on the last one. <laughs> I stand by that. A cute hashtag. Sausage is out for Gasly. <laughs> Oh my! Um, I've, I've kind of given Benjamin. Give us I've, yours. I've Come kind on. of given mine away as well because I think Mercedes are going to turn up and dominate this weekend. In which case, I think that Hamilton will get pole position. 
Uh, I've also got Hamilton taking the win. I think Bottas will probably be leading by about 40 seconds, but team orders uh, will probably cause Mercedes to, to let Hamilton by. So I'll, I'll go with Hamilton for the win. Uh, and then Bottas in second. Uh, Max Verstappen will then be third. I want Harry's race to occur, please. <laughs> yeah. We're all with you, Harry. Please be right. Well, he won't be, yeah. folks. If you're new to the podcast, Harry is never right. I got one bold prediction one uh, right once. It's true. It. It's true. You have got yeah. one right. Some say it's a myth. No, no. Danny Rick finished on the podium. I'll never forget it. It's the greatest day of my life. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't mention <laughs> the fact that we've been doing this for a very long time, but uh, you have got one right. Let's move on to Checo Perez. Sergio was announced at Red Bull for 2022, so he'll do a second season with the team. Uh, this was announced at the weekend, so didn't attack it on our review podcast, but a bit more time to do so now. Um, what do you think about the decision, Sam? Do you think they made this one too early? Oh, it's so difficult because I think the three of us are all, are all fans of Checo. We really like him. He's shown solid ability throughout his entire career. The guy has pulled out results from midfield cars where... The other team, the other side of the garage, has been unable to do so, and then he won in one in his one of his you know final races in that uh, in that racing point car, which of course is now Aston Martin, um, and he's had some good spells this year in that Red Bull. Of course, he he picked up that victory um, after a woeful crash from Max Verstappen, which was not his fault at all. He couldn't do anything about it, and of course Lewis Hamilton turned on the magic for a little bit too long and uh, kind of scared off the kids from the birthday party and Checo Perez was there to bring out the cake. Um, not sure it's the most deserved win in the world, but he was still there to pick it up nonetheless. So, Perez has earned definitely time to evaluate his seat. He's definitely earned the um, ability for Helmut and Christian to, to debate it longer and to, to carry on with the topic. Do I think it was slightly too early in the year? I don't, I don't really get why they've done it into the race after the summer break. If he's impressed you enough before the summer break, just make him sign the contract there and then. I don't feel like you've based it on anything else after that point. It's too early to bring up Sonoda, so you know that's one ruling. If you're never going to bring back Gasly, which they're not, let's face it, unfortunately, sausages out for Gasly won't happen in the Red Bull family. He's not going back up to that top seat, which is a really a big shame, because I think Gasly is one of the most exciting talents on the grid at the moment. Um, I guess there's nowhere else that Red Bull can turn to. So Perez feels like the obvious option that they may as well just get it on top of. It was a little bit embarrassing that he absolutely mucked it up on the um, the outlap for the start of the Grand Prix, and he got saved by a awful conditions and red flag moment, really, that allowed him to restart the race. Not that it really benefited him in the long run. But, um, yeah, no, I, I'm not filled with confidence at the moment. I don't think it's terrible, but I don't think it's great. And I think if it was any other team, and they had options to choose from that were ready... I'm not sure he will be getting re-signed right now. So, yeah, I would have left it a couple of races. Let him sweat. Just let him feel like he's got to start producing a little more. He can very much... Maybe he needs to be comfortable. Maybe I'm talking out of my backside. And actually, this is going to be massively beneficial for him. I don't know. But, yeah, no, I would have given it a couple of more races. Just to see how he carries on. Um, but then again, they've got no alternatives. So, what do you do? Tough one. Uh, from an outsider's perspective, I guess you just have to sell with what you've got at Red Bull. Or eat your own words and give Gazi another chance, which maybe will be more beneficial, but you won't do that. So, yeah, I no, guess they've got to do it. I've just talked myself out of a decision. 
it makes sense. That was that a, was a that was a me. Answer. I was about to say that's Harry Eden inspired that. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a wild ride, folks, and we firmly ended up on a almost on the fence. <laughs> I'm interested to see what what Harry thinks now. Do you, let's just say you are Mr. Red Bull, Harry. Do you make this decision at the same time that they have? Um, yeah, I, I think it's a fairly good time to do it. Um, I don't, don't necessarily think he was going to be snapped up by someone, um, but you know, it just it just gives that a bit of stability for this year as well as next year. And I think it was important for Red Bull to to you know not that Perez would you know uh, he would drive against the team. We saw when he was let go by Racing Point, he still drove his heart out and got a bleeding win out of it. So um, yeah, but it just helps him you know be safe in the knowledge he's got another drive next year so he can just get on with the job job of trying to win win the championship with Red Bull um, it, yeah as Sam already mentioned I don't think they have many other options I'm pretty sure I read somewhere and this was a while ago that Gasly said something to Christian Horner that cheesed him off and that's why he's never coming back because logically Gasly should be in that car now um, but it's just not it's just not happening so um yeah, I, I, and there are other options. I don't think they really have any other options to go in that car. So I think from a timing point of view, I think it makes sense. Um, yeah, uh, any any later would you know start to question question marks might appear in in Checo's head, and he might have a few more dodgy races. I actually think he was having a fairly decent weekend until he binned it on the laps of the grid. But I, I, I've seen people saying it's inexcusable, etc. But Max Verstappen's done it. Pretty sure Schumacher ran into a Bernardi once. Grosjean did it as well. It's not the first person to do it, um, and it was horrendous conditions. I'm not saying that it's acceptable, but um, it's not the worst thing in the world. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think the, the time was was a was a good idea from Red Bull. Yeah, from my side, short answer is I would have made this decision at the same time that they did. I think they were right to do so, uh, but I think that is it. It is a bit more complex than that. So. I think Perez versus the decisions that they made with, with Albon and, and Gasly, I think it is a slightly different dynamic in that I think you have to be either all in on Sergio Perez or you need to let him go. I don't think there's a middle ground that you potentially have and have used with Albon and Gasly. So we know that with Gasly in the first instance, he, he gets promoted to the Red Bull. It doesn't work out. He goes back to Toro Rosso that then becomes Alpha Tauri. Uh, and he he recovers very well, and he put he is still putting in brilliant performances each and every week. And I think you've got that flexibility with Gasly. He's at, at the beginning point of his career. He's been in the Red Bull Junior program for a long time. I think you can do that with him, and I think you can do that with Albon as well. With Perez, I don't think you can do the same thing. I don't think you could realistically drop him in the same way, put him back to AlphaTauri for a year, and then see where he's at. I think with him, he's either in that Red Bull seat or he's somewhere else. So I, I'm glad that they have gone all in on him rather than folded. I, I think that was the way to go. Uh, and I think it was good that they made this decision now. I think with drivers, you've kind of got two different options of the way that you approach contract renegotiation. You've got the first approach, which is it's almost the McLaren approach of the last couple of years where they look to get their drivers locked in pretty early on um, and to give their drivers that stability, take away the drama from silly season or leave the speculation for the other teams and just allow your drivers to focus on what they are paid to do. 
That's that's the first strategy, the one they've actually gone with, I would say. Or there is the second strategy where you leave it as late as possible, giving your driver an incentive, a motivation to keep performing well, knowing that their seat is at risk. And that extra determination could get you more points in the championship, which might give you an extra position, which is a lot more money for the team. That's the second option. I think with Perez, I think they picked the right one. I think he will react much better to stability versus him reacting to insecurity and needing to perform. That's that's the gist I get from, from Sergio Perez. I think they need to be clear to him that he has underwhelmed in the first half of the year. I wasn't expecting him to be alongside Max Verstappen at this point. I don't think he, he ever will be for that matter, but he should be further ahead than what he is. The fact that he isn't is a bit worrying. But I think they just need to be open about that with him. Say that the performances aren't quite there. Get an action plan in place to ensure that that isn't the case for much longer and work with him for the next 18 months. It has to be a long-term approach. They've done the short-term approach. They've done it with Albon. They've done it with Gasly. It hasn't worked. You might as well try the other, try the other side of things because what have you got to lose? If they can nail this down, they'll be in a good position for next year, particularly... If out of them and Mercedes, they're the only team with the same lineup in 2020 versus 2021. Uh, sorry, 2021 versus 2022, I should say. If Mercedes are going with George Russell, they haven't got the same lineup. So it could be really beneficial if Perez works this out. Do you ever, um, do you ever listen to like what the other people say on this podcast? And then you think about your own answer and you just think, what I've just said is absolute codswallop. I, I, I only ever think it when Ben speaks. Oh. Right, <laughs> good. Well, brilliant. <laughs> we we all have our uh, have our uses. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, Sam Sam has a has a, a talent for jingles, as you will hear. Uh, not quite yet, but soon, folks. Yeah, F1 overrated, underrated is coming up in the not too distant future. So, a game we haven't played in a while. Build the suspense. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we haven't played it in a while. I don't think we ever had a theme song for it, but even if we did, we've got a brand new one. So, stay tuned a for that. A better one. A better one. Yes. Before we get there, though, we do have one more topic, and that is to discuss whatever's going on with Silly Season. So, Essentially today, this is where things lie. It seems as if Alfa Romeo are going to go for Valtteri Bottas and Nick De Vries over the current lineup. Kimi Raikkonen might well retire, but he might not. Giovinazzi might stay in the seat. He might also be the third driver next year, but he might also not be there at all. Um, Williams might well get Alex Albon, because why not? Um, everything seems to be happening and also not happening. So, Harry... What do you make of all of these rumours flying around? Which ones do you listen to? Well, I mean, I, I thought last year's silly season was particularly silly, but this year is is trying its best to be even sillier because it, I think last year at least it was silly, but it was because people were being signed for teams you didn't expect for. At the moment, we're just we're just shooting in the dark. We are weighing into the wind with this, folks. There's no one knows what is going on. Um, you know, this has come from uh, race fans. If you don't follow them, they're they're a very good independent F1 uh, uh, website, and normally their their sources are fairly well 
informed, should we say. So this this may well be something that's happening. And Albon to Williams is something I've seen elsewhere. Um, but Nick de Vries to, to Alfa Romeo was a bit out of the blue. Didn't see that one coming. I mean, feel slightly sorry for Giovinazzi because I think he's had a fairly decent year. But, you know, he's been there for a while and one year out of out of a few years, uh, you know, maybe isn't enough. And he's being compared to Kimi, who, who's just there for a nice time now, isn't he? So, um, yeah, I think Bottas to Alfa makes sense. And I, I think for what, you know... What Bottas needs, I think that could be a good, could be a good environment for him. Um, we saw when Kimi went to that first year. Kimi had at Alpha was, was um, I think it's pretty good. I think he he was quite quite a solid little driver that year. Um, so maybe we and then he dropped off because he he fell asleep. But um, I think it could be a good move for for Bottas to go there, rebuild his his confidence a bit. The freeze, we know he's he's a talent, and we I think we spoke about him in, in a different podcast, but. Didn't expect him to be apparently going to Alfa Romeo, but you know, I think that, that could be a, a solid little lineup. Albon to Williams again. It, you know, if they keep Latifi, that's not a lineup I expected, but I think that could be all right for for a growing team. So, yeah, it's um, if these all do come true, they make they make a lot of sense. Like I say, I feel a tiny bit sorry for for Giovinazzi in in this instance, but. I feel like the, well, the only thing we're waiting on here is for for Mercedes to finally announce George Russell, and then the dominoes will fall. It'll be like a a waterfall of F1 driver announcements. But we're at the top of the moment, and there's a, a Mercedes barrier at the top of the waterfall, stopping all the water from coming down. And we just need Toto to kick it down. But he hasn't done it yet. Just imagining a waterfall of of F1 drivers now. <laughs> what an analogy yeah, I love it what What do you make of all of this Sam it's perhaps sillier than your analogies which are saying something well I'm going to raise Harry's analogy with another analogy it's like the media of the Formula 1 world has taken Alfa Romeo and Williams and stood them outside of Asda uh, folks, if you're not from England, Walmart. Asda is Walmart, essentially. It's our big our big shop. Tesco, Asda, we have those. You guys have Walmart and whatnot. They've, take, they've taken those two teams. They've stood them outside and whatnot. That's not a shop, folks. That's just me <laughs> talking stupid blase English. Um, and they've put a blindfold on the Alfa Romeo team and they've put a blindfold on the Williams team and gone, off you go, see what you can find and just come out with it. And... Um, you know, on the shelves this year are, are Kimi Räikkönen and Latifi's over there. Albon's in the chocolate aisle. Nick De Vries has found himself in the crisps. And you never know what you might come out with. And, you know, poor old Callum Eilert has been left in the, the, the restock shed in the back and hasn't actually been put out for sale. So he's not getting a seat, unfairly. Antonio Giovinazzi's gone, I was the best-selling product last week. And now, what, am I on sale? What's going on here? Um... And I think that the media are hoping that Williams is going to walk out with a packet of crisps and a chocolate bar in one hand and Alfa Romeo will walk out with a, a, a bargain bucket of cider and a, a two-for-one bacon offer in the other hand and go, look, these are our drivers! And Toto Wolf, the store manager, is going, finally, finally, I have the sales. I don't know what's going on with this analogy. Folks, it's silly ne- season. The analogy was silly. Never think you can out-analogy Sam Sage, because I was quite proud of where I went with that waterfall one, but Sam's just completely gone off the rails with that (laughs) market analogy. 
Lewis Hamilton's out there as the parking permit, just taking dollar. You know, come on, roll up, roll up. Um, anyway, honestly, I can't give you a prediction on this. Uh, Nick DeVries, do I think he's going to be good in an F1 car? I've got no bloody idea. Um, Kimi Raikkonen should retire. I like the idea that he's going to be gone. I, you know, of course we love a bit of Kimi. He's a good meme lord. But I do think he's keeping a seat warm, ironic for the Iceman. Uh, Giovinazzi, if we're going to cut him off, it makes sense to cut him off now before we go into a new era of Formula 1 with new cars and new regulations. Give someone the best chance they can get. Uh, George Russell most likely to go to, uh, of course, Mercedes. So Bottas, yes, I think is a great option for Alpha. Um, Latifi, oh, it's tough. I really like Nick Latifi. I think he's bloody lovely. He's probably one of my favourite drivers on the grid in terms of, like, personality. But do I think he's down enough to warrant another seat? I'm unsure. Uh, so Albon going into that one side, yes. Do I think it should open up for someone else? Quite possibly. There are plenty of options going around. I, I couldn't tell you what I think is great, but I do think Bottas should definitely be in one of those seats. And I, would, well, I wouldn't say no to Albon in one of those seats either. I wouldn't have seen it happening, uh, but I'd be up for it. So, folks, thanks for listening if you still are. I don't know what that was. Um, that's what I think. Cheers. Yeah, I'm still not quite over the supermarket analogy. Um <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if um, other countries have their own versions of the old classic TV show here in Britain, Supermarket Sweep. But well, thank you. That, that's pretty much what Sam's just described there, where you you send off look a couple of people like Mad Hatters going around a made up supermarket, just chucking whatever they can find into these trolleys and getting money for it. Um, I, I can just imagine, yeah, F one drivers all over the shelves. But I. Again, I won't even try and out-analogy that because it would be a waste of my time and a waste of your time too. <laughs> to, to give you an idea of where I'm at with these uh, rumours because it does feel like there's a new one every hour. So by the time this podcast goes live, um, there'll probably be six new rumours out there that I'm linked to a Jordan seat probably. Um, but Rumour yeah, has it. That's the rumour that's going around uh, by the time this goes live. <laughs> In terms of the Alfa Romeo stuff, so we know that, for me, Valtteri Bottas is a level above Raikkonen and Giovinazzi. Maybe we haven't seen it much in the last year, but I think Valtteri Bottas as a talent is is far better than both Raikkonen and Giovinazzi. And I think when he gets an opportunity to show that, when he gets out of the atmosphere of Mercedes, not to say that it's a toxic culture or anything like that, but I just think he needs a fresh start. And I think Alfa Romeo could be that, that direction. Nick De Vries also being linked to the role would make me think that Alfa Romeo, who are not signed up to have Ferrari power units in, in 2022, could be in line to have Mercedes power units. The only difficult thing about that is that no no manufacturer can have more than four teams on the current grid, and that would give Mercedes five, in which case they would need to drop one. But it seems as if there might be some sort of a solution to that if... Alex Albon is rumoured to go to Williams. Maybe they're in line to to get those Red Bull slash Honda power units. So maybe that's where you you get from five back down to four if you're Mercedes. Be really interesting if there is a bit of a shift in de facto uh, reserve teams, so to speak. Um, if uh, the Red Bull team get another ally on their side and if if Mercedes get someone brand new if they get um, Alfa Romeo instead of Williams at least on the face of it it wouldn't be much of a change but you know that that might well happen we know that Toto Wolf and um, big Freddie Vass they're they're, they're good friends um, 
Big Freddy Vass. Big Freddy Vass at Alpha. You know, (laughs) good chums, those two. So I could definitely see it happening. So from Bottas' side, yeah, I think he's a level above Raikkonen and and Giovinazzi. No problem there. I think De Vries, I, I mentioned this the last time we discussed... I think he would do a solid job. I don't think he'd do a spectacular job. That's that's my general overview of how I think he'd do. Um, I think it would be somewhat of a risk for the team to go into brand new regulations with a brand new team. Two new drivers going into 2022. Feels like too much of a risk for me, but um, I, wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind seeing Bottas get in that seat. I think it would do him good. From the Williams side of the rumour mill, whether it would be Albon and Latifi, I've got to say on the surface of it, given the amount of quality drivers in Formula One right now, and given the amount of quality drivers not in F1 right now, a lineup of Albon and Latifi, for me, that's pretty weak. Maybe Albon turns it around in a similar way to Gasly, if in which case it looks a bit stronger. But on the surface, an Albon and Latifi lineup, I don't think it stacks up well with some of the other teams that we've got out there. So um again we'll have some more rumors by the time this goes out so um you know it'll probably all come to nothing but it's interesting to talk about it at least i mean we're, we're recording this slightly early this week just because of um diary clashes so is it we're recording on a tuesday night for for info so by the time this goes out probably all confirmed yeah and we'll have land mugs so never mind well that's what usually happens news gets announced like an hour after we publish our podcast and such. So it would be fitting that that would be the case. I don't think we can keep the people waiting any longer. It is time for a new jingle. This, ladies and gentlemen, is F1 overrated, underrated. Overrated, underrated. What answers do we give? What way will they go? Overrated, underrated. What a week shoes come and see the show. Overrated, underrated. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, ladies and gents. I'm going to play that for you again. <laughs> Underrated, what answers do we give? What way will they go? Overrated, underrated, what a week shoes come and see the show. Overrated, underrated. Oh, oh it's a bell. Folks, we we uh, when we sat down to record this this evening, um, we, this wasn't that wasn't recorded yet, and we and we spent I would think about thirty minutes getting that getting that done. Too long, so, uh, basically. <laughs> for eight, for whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, seconds. we got it. <laughs> we got him. Oh, I mean, we're very interested to hear where uh, Sam's jingles rank. You know, we've got quite a few on the go now, so interested to hear what are your favourite ones and what are your least favourite ones. Uh, it'd be tough to topple back and forth, but that's you know, that's got, got to be a contender, right? Feel, feels pretty good to me. Favourite ones, all of them. Least favourite ones, anything not sung by Sam. Simple answer. We do, by the way, we do actually have a something attached to that jingle. It's not just the jingle itself. There is actually a segment that goes along with this. Uh, this is one we haven't done in quite a long time. F1 overrated, underrated. We pick three different quote-unquote things, and we will give our verdict as to whether they are overrated or underrated. I say things because they could be pretty much anything. Tracks, drivers, team bosses anything we choose really so um we've got three picked out today and we're going to start with a season actually so uh harry Eid, the 2012 season 
often given a very good reputation. Do you think it's overrated or underrated? Can I, can I, are we allowed to say just rated? Yeah, you can say it's spot on. Uh, spot on. I don't think it's, I don't think people underrate it because I think it's uh, one that's uh, fairly fresh in the, in the memories of, of the F1 audiences. Um, I don't think it's overrated. I, absolute belter of a season. How can you say that's not a good season? We had seven different winners in the first seven races. And I'm trying, I'm looking back now. I seem to remember even Australia was a pretty good race. Australia, folks. Um, Malaysia, Fernando Alonso won. Sergio Perez almost won on the Sauber. Bahrain, I can't really remember Bahrain, but I remember Maldonado. Oh, that's all of, all the time you have to leave the space. That's that's Bahrain. Then you go to Monaco. Schumacher got a pole, but then had to start in sixth. Uh, Spain, Pastor Maldonado won. So they're, they're the other way around, those two. Um, yeah, the list goes on. Canada 2012 was a complete belter as well. It's not overrated. If anyone says it's overrated, I'll fight them. Um, I actually won't do that, but uh, I'll have a I'll have a frank discussion with them about how they're wrong. But um, yeah, if if people and we've we said this on our on our Q and A Q&A podcast, I think if you if you're new to F1, go and watch the 2012 season because it's oh, boy. <laughs> Boy, is it good? I don't. I don't want to give away my answer at all. But any season that can make a race at Valencia a good one, well, there you it's go. a good season. Um, I mean, even even a race at Barcelona was pretty good. Well, that's that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe we just need Lewis Hamilton starting from the back um, more often. But um, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Um, so many great races described there by Harry. Sam, overrated, underrated, 2012 season. Oh, I mean, rated is a is a fair is a fair distinction there. I think on the season, I'd almost go as far to say as underrated. I would put it down as maybe one of the best seasons of Formula One of all time. I mean, definitely in the most recent time period that we've got. How many times can you say that the person that went on to win that championship? Only won one race in the first half of the season. Um, you know, it's absolutely crazy. I think Weber won more. I think Hamilton won more. I even think that um, Alonso won more in that first half of the season. He, Vettel, sorry, spoiler for everyone, only won as many races as Maldonado by the time that we had the season break, which is crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. The fight was incredible. Alonso dragged that car up higher than it ever should have been. Um, you know, we had both those Brits in the McLaren Mercedes. It was incredible. One of the last times the McLaren Mercedes was fully competitive in that era. And it had that livery on it, which everyone does love. Um, you know, Reichen, I believe, got a wing in the Lotus as well, which is something that was pretty crazy. And it was amazing to watch. Um, yeah, no, it is one of the best seasons. Uh, I, I think it's still actually a little bit underrated as to how much love it should get because... It, it, oh, God, it was so good. And if, folks, if you want to come and watch one of the races, I know it's a, a sad plug, but join the Patreon. We're doing it on the 19th of September. Brazil, the final race of that season. Um, there are some stungers in there. And I'm sure we'll visit this season many more times on that Patreon for a classic race watch. Uh, yeah, for me, it's underrated. It's one of the best seasons. It is fantastic. Um, on that note about Brazil, if you, if you want a clue as to whether it's a good season... The championship winner in the finale on lap one uh, was backwards and last and had damage. 
Yeah. So, uh, Crazy. And it was it was it was crucial for that person to finish in a certain place to wing it. It wasn't just a oh I've almost pretty much won it if I get tenth. They really had to drive through the field. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go rated. I think it's spot on. Same reasons as Harry really. It it is given a it is put on a pedestal, but it should be. It's so good. Um I think there are a few other great seasons. You know, 1999 is one that I think is is a great one. There are a couple others as well that I would put in that category. But for me, 2012 does stand as the best. At least, at least the best of those that I can uh, reliably talk about. Um, you know, there might be a few, a few seasons from the 70s and 80s that I don't quite know enough about that, that could could well rate there as well. But at least modern times, 2012 has to be up there. Let's go for a driver for the next one. Uh, we've already discussed him a little bit. Antonio Giovinazzi. Sam, overrated, underrated? Uh, the Italian Jesus. I mean, if you're going to talk about him as a person, incredibly underrated. What a charming, lovely, handsome man. He can appear on the podcast anytime he sees fit, and I will accommodate. Uh, in terms of his ability in the car across of his F1 career... Um, it didn't start well for him. I believe the first two races he managed to spring it and put it straight into the wall. Not ideal. Um, and then I think the season that we're in currently is his strongest season so far. But as much as I have been uh, a little bit impressed with how he's come on, he's doing better than I thought he would, I am not wowed by his ability. And so I think for his overall career and the way he's driven so far, I'm going to say he's actually a little bit overrated. I think I've got this, every time I say that word now, I've got the sun oh, in my head. Um, I really think that, yeah stuck in my head um i really think that people like him a lot as a person which i completely agree with he is really lovely but i think because of that he does get spoken about with a lot of positive favor he gets given a lot of grace given to him unlike certain other drivers of the same capability um and i as we spoke about earlier on in the podcast i I wouldn't be shocked if he is replaced despite him having a i think he's having a good season for giovanazzi I don't think he's having a, a great season in regards to any other kind of midfield driver. So, yeah, I think he's a little bit overrated due to public opinion being so positive of him. Harry, underrated, overrated? Uh, I'm going to go for another rated here. Um, I, I I don't see him, you know, being hyped up to more than what he is. Um, but then, I, I, you know, I don't see people... Cruelly undervaluing what sort of what sort of driver he is. I think he's just had a very. This seems harsh to say, but a very average career. Um, he's shown some real flashes of speed, um, uh, but he's also shown quite a quite a risk of uh, throwing it in the boonies quite often, um, as Sam's already mentioned. So yeah, I don't, I don't think any, I, as a general feel, I don't think he's overrated by the F1 community, and I don't think he's. I don't think he's been undervalued or underrated at all. So, um, yeah, I think that's another that's another rated for me, another spot on. This is a this is a tough one. This is a this is a bit of a Natalie and Bruglia. It's I'm I'm a bit torn. Oh, come on, a bit torn on this one. <laughs> I'm already torn. Thank you, Sam. Um, <laughs> I, I'm actually torn between both of your answers. I'm torn between um, either rated or. Or slight. I, I will probably say he is very, very minor overrated. Um, yeah, I, I think there's probably only a few drivers on the grid that I would rate lower than him. 
there's very few drivers, perhaps only a couple, maybe one or two, I would put lower than him who also don't have more potential than him. I think, you know, Nicholas Latifi would probably be in that group. Maybe Mazepin as well. Um, although Mazepin's potential, you, you know, you could argue that maybe he hasn't had a chance to fulfil that yet. But I don't think outside of those two names, I don't think there's anyone who is both worse than him and also doesn't have the potential to be better than him. So I think overall, yeah, I, I, I don't think he is. He's massively overrated. I wouldn't go anywhere near that far. Uh, but I, if, if I had to go one way or the other, yeah, I'd, I'd say slightly overrated. And the last one for today, a uh, bit of an interesting one, because we're going to go towards a team boss. Mattia Bonotto, been in his post for a while at Ferrari. Harry, overrated, underrated? Um, I, I'm, as a, and I'm doing this as purely as a team boss, or a boss of an F1 team. Bit overrated. I think what he what he's good at, i.e. engines, he's brilliant. Or bit we won't go into the whole Ferrari engine thing. But you know, he's been at he was he was at Ferrari in the in the Schumacher days, so he's been there for a long time and had a you know, helped him to a lot of success. In terms of team boss, I mean, you know, we we've seen him kind of step away from the pit wall now as well, um, as things are changing. But you'd have to argue he's He's not done as good as job of as uh, what's he called Arriva Bene did, um, you know. It's circumstantial potentially, but yeah, I think a lot of people were critical of Arriva Bene, but give him his due. He got Ferrari back to some sort of winning ways. Didn't achieve championships, but it, he's 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 achieved more than Benotto has in 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 his time so far. So I'll go for slightly overrated, which might seem slightly harsh, but. You know, just based basing on pure facts, um, I think I have to say a bit overrated. What do you reckon, Sam? Overrated, underrated? Uh, I am going to. Uh, you know, it always makes me a little bit sick in my mouth when I say this. I'm going to agree with Mr. Harried. Uh, I do think he is. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Literally, that always comes to mind every time I say those words. Uh, I do think he's a little bit overrated. I think, as Harry said, he's brilliant with engines, and Ferrari have seen some great success with their engine power over the last couple of decades. Um, quite interestingly, for two races after the summer break, a couple of races ago. Uh, but then he's also handled some things really badly. Um, the strategy department has definitely not improved. They're not calling great strategies. Um, it frustrates me in Ferrari, and apologies if you are from Italy. I don't mean this to sound rude, but there is great talent outside of Italy that Ferrari could be utilising, and there seems to be this strange culture that you have to be Italian um, to be a part of their internal team. And I feel like you look at the Schumacher days of you know the people that were brought in, Ross Braun, John Tart, etc. And the success flowed. You know, it was a more open culture. It was more determined. It felt more driven. And while I feel like Charles Leclerc is their golden boy and Carlos Sainz is doing a wonderful job as the, the other driver at the moment, there doesn't seem to be that, that creative drive to, to changing something that means they're going to get back up with that top fight. It feels like Ferrari used to be the third team that were talked about in. Who's going to be the winner this weekend? Oh, is it going to be Mercedes or Red Bull or Ferrari? And now it's just Mercedes or Red Bull. And actually, people regularly look to other teams first before they look towards Ferrari. You know, McLaren are now regularly spoken about as the other option, which shows you the turnaround that McLaren have had at the same time that Ferrari possibly should have turned it around by now. Um, 
So because of that, I think he's a little bit overrated. And I think that someone almost needs to come in from the outside and completely change what Ferrari are doing. Otherwise, I fear that they may go even longer than their uh, previous stints without success. Of course, Schumacher brought an end to that. I do wonder if they're going to have to have something else similar happen to bring an end to this drought of championship success. So yeah, a little bit overrated at the moment. Yeah, um, I would go pretty massively overrated, to be honest. I, I can't for the life of me understand why he's not ever under more pressure than what he is to keep his job, because the the results are absolutely not coming. Look, he, he came into the role, uh, and I echo what you said, Harry, Like he's brilliant at what he does. Unfortunately, I don't think it's what he's currently doing. Um, he comes in in 2019, beginning of 2019 for Arriva Bene. They finished second in 2019, but it was a very distant second. You know, they picked up a few wins thanks to the the very legal engine that they had towards the end of the year. Um, but I think it was a, what, a three-win season, was it, possibly? Um, so it was second, but a very distant second. Uh, sorry, 2020, of course, absolute unmitigated disaster. Awful year for them. Their worst year for a very long time. And then this season is a, is a bit of an improvement, but still looks like it will be either third or fourth. It's not going to be anywhere near the top two, that's for sure. This point is is not going to be too relevant going forward, but it's definitely relevant for the time that Bonotto's been in the role. The amount of money and the heritage, but mainly the money that Ferrari ha- that Ferrari have and spend on Formula One, anything less than second place in the championship is utterly inexcusable. There, there is no way that they can and they have spent as much money as they they have done and not spent not at least compete with Mercedes for the championship. They have in previous seasons spent about four times as many, uh, four times as much as some of the teams that they didn't beat last year. How, how can you possibly justify that? I have no idea. Um, they are, they have woefully underperformed over the last two years. If they don't finish third this year, it will be the first time that they've done back-to-back seasons not in the top three for the first time since maybe 92 and 93 or something along those lines. Basically, a long time since that's happened. And it's happened under his watch. It doesn't seem as if. He, he's coming under any pressure, which, again, un- unless it's not quite making its its way to, to general media sources, I can't understand. So I do think he, at least in his current role, is massively overrated. In, in his actual, what I believe should be his role, uh, in, terms of, in, in terms of the engine department, yeah, he, he does a great job, but not in this role. Source material. Yeah, triple, triple whammy, I'm afraid, from, from the overrated. Um, fortunately, it's not uh, it's not pump the brakes, so there's no gunging involved. But oh. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, Dave. Uh, we'll, we'll pay you next week, Dave, we promise. He's desperately looking for money from us, but <laughs> we'll feed you next week, Dave, we promise. Um, we'll be back, of course, Sunday with our review of the Dutch Grand Prix. Fingers crossed we actually mean that this week. Not really in our hands, but fingers crossed we mean it. Until then, Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Folks, do let us know what you think is going to happen at the uh, the Dutch Grand Prix. Will Super Super Max Max manage to take pole position and the win by 30 seconds? Or will Harry see multiple different leagues? He doesn't understand math, so I'm not going to say how many happen in the race. 
Um, you know, plenty can go on. What do you think of Sergio Perez signing? The right move? The boys seem to think so. Of course, we've got a new jingle and a new game. Let us know you're overrated, underrated. Uh, either on Discord, on Twitter. Join us on the Patreon, of course. That is now available. Uh, thank you so much for the support. We're, we're charting, which is absolutely crazy that we we have so many of those listeners that we're now in the charts for uh, for sports podcasts. So thank you so much. Um, in the meantime, I've been Samuel. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been a waterfall of F1 drivers. And remember, keep breaking <laughs> late. Overrated, underrated. Overrated, underrated. <laughs> Where will they go? Overrated, <laughs> underrated. What a week, shoes come and see the show. Overrated, overrated underrated. underrated. Great. Find more great shows or join the team at sport social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.